Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours. My name is Simon Treen and I want to ask 1,000 loiners, that's people in Leeds or from Leeds, over this decade, the second question that everybody asks everybody. What do you do? So, if you're in Leeds or from Leeds, then be my guest, Leeds. Email workinghourspod at western-studios.com with a short bio and some ideas about your availability. You can appear as yourself or anonymously on the show and you will have approval over what gets published from our chat. Welcome to episode 13. That's the third episode of this second volume, 2021, of the Working Hours podcast. My guest today is an anonymous female. We're going girl, boy, until this binary is challenged. Uh, This interview was also recorded over Skype. It's a cheat on the year, but this is because me, the producer, feels it's better to have here. You do have the dates for these interviews. I don't have the interviews yet. Okay, so this one was recorded on the 7th of December 2020. It was pre-Christmas, during the winter lockdown, same as the others from this series so far. Um, My guest on this episode is a TV researcher, and as you will soon find out, she's another loiner at large, this time based across the Pennines in Manchester. We discuss a number of topics, including but not limited to hospital work, call centre work, performing, working with children and the media, and more. It's a slightly longer episode and there's a fair bit of me wittering on, but I have kept it in here for a reason. I will say more about that next time. Obviously, we do spend a fair amount of time on working in TV, but this chat goes all over the place again, which is good, I think. Don't know about you, but if that's your kind of thing, you're in the right place. Just before we get into this episode, another quick shout out for guests. I need you, you, you to be guest, guest, guest leads. I really need to get representation from every role, every level of pay scale, but I especially need to hear from BAME workers, LGBT plus workers and any workers with disabilities that are either in leads or from leads. I want every sort of loiner, so even if you're a loiner who can't and doesn't work, I would still be very interested to hear what you think about work. Okay, that's the intro done. Let's get into this. Right, so I'll start off with the question that I start off with everyone. So what did you want to be when you grew up? So I don't actually remember. <laughs> like I don't I don't think I specifically ever had a career in mind when I was younger. Not that I know of. The the only interesting thing that my mum told me was she sent a letter to her parents in Israel. And this was when I was like really young, I think. I don't know if it was like three or four. And she sent a letter to her parents going, I think she's going to be a great singer when when she's older. But weirdly, I didn't start singing till I was about 17 or 18. So she predicted my future slightly. <laughs> but yeah, I, never, I, I, I don't ever really remember having a specific career in mind unfortunately yes yeah so you you didn't dream of being a nurse or anything when you were little or like oh that's what I'm gonna do no not really I I suppose just trying to think I had I had quite a vivid imagination so I had like visible friends and stuff like that so I don't know maybe creativity was always going to be something but yeah I, I never really had like a specific desire to do one certain thing. So has that made it more difficult kind of now that you're working? Has it made it more difficult of like, well, I'll try some of this, I'll try some of that? What's, what's been yes. the <laughs> If you look at my, I suppose, the span of my, my career, it's definitely 
not a straight line. Uh, I've done so many different jobs, tried so many different jobs. So maybe that's part and parcel of it, actually, because I didn't have a specific desire when I was younger. Mm. I suppose you just have to try and find your way and see what suits you and what doesn't. And But it's been an interesting, it still, still continues. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest, like, it's weird. As a child, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And even now, I'm kind of, especially during these times, you're kind of debating whether the career I'm currently in is, um, you know, the right career for me. So I, I am a bit of a, how do I put it? I don't always, yeah, I don't always stick to kind of one thing. I quite like um, trying different things out, really. So what are you doing now? So I'm... Um, I'm a TV researcher, freelance TV researcher. And so I've been doing that for about three years. So yeah, so still very new and okay. it's very free, freelance, which yep. is what I've been getting used to. And especially at the moment with COVID times, you know, it has been even more tricky than usual, I would say. I think any creative industry, it's had quite a impact on on the industry so but I have yeah I've, I've been quite lucky in general kind of during this year I would mm-hmm. say but yeah it's still it, it's a it's an interesting career role because you are doing something different every time yeah I was gonna say I bet it gives you a lot of variety because yeah. you're working on a different program so you're looking at different things yeah I think I think that's what I love about it is you're in some ways you're just stepping into the unknown completely because I I work generally in like factual and I have done some kids tv as well which I like really like but generally like factual entertainment or um, documentaries is which I want to kind of get into more and I suppose yeah with that you're stepping into the unknown sometimes you don't even know what the program is you're applying for right every time you you know apply for a job it's a different team you're working with a different team so then there's a whole different team dynamic that you've got to yep. adapt to the very short contracts generally so kind of three or four months some mm. are even less some could be like three weeks so you're having to <laughs> suddenly work with people you haven't worked with before put out programs in a like a fast turnaround time you know all in a kind of quite short space of time it has its challenges but I I think what I love most about it is I love people I love speaking to people I love kind of even what you're doing I'm kind of it's interesting how you're chatting to so many different people who do different things and how much variety there is in that and mm. kind of people you meet and the different experiences and so yeah I think that's what I enjoy the most is kind of discovering new things or meeting new people and listening to their stories or you know yeah. finding out their stories but it is challenging especially as early on in your career there's a lot of I would say obstacles to kind of overcome lots of rejection lots of people not kind of emailing back if you've (laughs) applied for a job and you just you know you're just waiting there and then kind of um you just have to forget about it if you give kind of an outline of of what your work 
involves. I mean, I, I think from the outside, it's very easy to think of researchers as, you know, people stuck in a room looking through yeah. books and all the internet and yeah, fact checking yeah. in a kind yeah. of, a, what's it, what's that show with the elves, the one that Stephen Fry used to do, QI. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. QILs, that kind of thing. So I think that's that's kind of the idea that a lot of people have. But from what you've described it, like, well, bits of what you've described, it kind of sounds a bit more office-based and phone calls and so on. So what's what's kind of the mix and how much how much is... There's so much variety, actually. Um, funnily enough, I didn't realise, well, one, <laughs> going into this industry... I didn't realise how freelance it was. I, before I kind of got into TV, I did um, a master's at Salford Uni in media production, children's TV production. So it was like a year-long master's. First time I picked up a camera, I haven't done TV stuff before, like had no previous experience apart from logging, which is where you kind of type what people are saying. And kind of I did that thinking you know oh it's going to be a stable career now you know go into media and actually it's it's more freelance than I realized mm -hmm. really so for the, the last role I had I was a casting researcher yeah so there are there are specific roles so the shooting researcher casting researcher there's also an archive researcher I think you can have quiz researchers as well and then some programs have a general researcher um so on the last program I was a casting researcher which entailed finding couples or family members or I suppose friends but that was a lot rarer who were renovating derelict properties abroad okay so it it can be quite specific. That one was very specific. So how so would you go about that? Would you, you would you just sort of advertise? You go to specific places, advertise, and say, "Are you one of these? Can you get in touch?" Or um, you, you kind of kind look of, for people. Or yeah, it's a variety of stuff. So we have posters, which the company then puts out, kind of going, "Do you know someone who yeah. is currently renovating derelict properties?" And this is all during COVID, actually, as well. So kind of going into it. I did think it might be a bit more of a challenge to find people, but I was very surprised that actually people take on these mammoth projects. But anyway, kind of back to the casting. So we have posters which we put out. Then I looked at, because there were certain countries, like Spain, France and New York we were looking at. So then I would Facebook groups, obviously social media is a big one, searching for people, seeing if they've got derelict pictures that they're currently undertaking and then ringing up estate agents in Spain, opening with a bit of bad, bad Spanish <laughs> or French. Um, but actually a lot of people, there were a lot of kind of English run estate agencies abroad again yeah, so yeah I didn't know before but mm -hmm. now I know so kind of contacting them contacting project managers who might know someone and yeah just generally speaking to people who might be able to help then pass on my information to someone else and then you have to lock down the guests so did you have a kind of like a uh, target for how many people is it like you you 
you need a person for each episode and it's a six episode show or is it like you have a few per episode or yeah so it, it's all stipulated by so there's the channel and then obviously kind of higher up the, the series producer and producer also make decisions as to which couples to go with I, th- I think the difficulty with this one generally there's a general demographic of people who are renovating derelict properties mm-hmm. which is kind of white old people you know going out there you know we we did get a kind of mix of some young people taking up the challenge and generally kind of trying to trying to um have some variety in terms of the personalities but yep. also they need to be interesting yeah yeah yeah. someone who's got a bit of personality as well and yeah interesting yeah so yeah for me I, I was just kind of ringing up and kind of casting people and having like an initial kind of what we're doing now like a, a phone chat where you find out a bit more about them and you know what are they up to and getting an insight of where they're you know where they are in their derelict journey because it was about the journey so showing someone at the yep. beginning and then seeing their dream home at the end kind of thing I'm hoping I'm hoping well it should be all right me um discussing the ins because now I've done it um it should be fine um but that's you well, we, have, we, we haven't mentioned the show so that's fine <laughs> no that's true you'll never know <laughs> um, I, I mean how's furlough been then have you like what have you been doing with yourself <laughs> have you been just twiddling your thumbs or are you like you're trying to find other things to be involved in what what's it What's it meant to you, really? Um, well, t- t- to be honest, I was very lucky with the furlough because I I finished my contract about a couple of months ago. And so I, I didn't think I could get furloughed. So I was about to go on um, universal credit because I was like, you know, it's, I'd managed to save a bit. Yeah, but you need some income. Yeah, but I, I kind of need to start thinking about it. But I think the only the only problem was that is you have to apply for any job. So, and I was a bit like, mm, obviously I'm still applying for TV kind of yeah, role. Yeah. So I was wondering, is that going to be like a, a distraction? But anyway, so the production company I worked for got in touch and basically said they can furlough me. Yeah. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of... Um, there's a thing called screen skills which is like a tv mm-hmm. and film industry kind of I, I don't know if they're technically a charity I think they, they used might. to be a sector skills organization I know this from my days at Union Learn when they had all these like specialists so each each sector had a various uh, like a, a training body yeah you and I think they were using them to kind of like for developing MVQs and stuff it was very much from the, the you know the previous Labour government okay and uh yeah screen skills is the sort of tv and film one so it sets like the standards for well it tries to set standards for kind of job descriptions and what to expect and kind of like what sort of training should be and what you need and actually I I know someone there oh okay well they've been a godsend in some ways because you know they are pretty good from what I've seen of them yeah 
yeah so they've put on a lot of like online discussions about things I think for me it's just I'm constantly trying to I suppose kind of add skills to my to my CV so looking at ways I can make myself more indispensable um not indispensable um what's the word more marketable where you know they're gonna go I'm gonna pick her because she's got some extra skills (laughs) gonna pick who sorry oh right yeah yeah so your employer Um, potentially is like more um desirable yeah this girl's she's got it all we need to get this girl (laughs) that kind of thing yeah (laughs) because one one thing I want to go into kind of documentaries but my issue is that I don't have enough camera skills and generally in documentaries you need to be able to shoot on camera but because I don't have the confidence really like I've, I've filmed a documentary during my master's so it's not like I can't do it but because I don't have a specific credit going shooting researcher you know then people won't take me on as a shooting researcher because there's just a risk of you know taking someone on who might feel film quite shoddily so I think that's the barriers in terms of the industry there needs to be a lot more training and I think now you kind of go into a job and there's this list of things you must be able to do this you must be able to do this you must be able to do this you must be able to use a camera you know and this is a long list and I'm like how am I supposed to be able to know all that stuff without Mm. someone giving me that experience in the first place so it's kind of a catch-22 yeah so yeah it's a lot about proving to people that you you can do it and then also for me I moved back north in February this year which was a godsend I'm so glad I moved back north <laughs> but alas it was you know it's it's made it a bit more difficult in terms of understanding the tv world mm. in, back in the north um yeah it's like you have to learn a whole new landscape and sort yeah. of the new, new names new people new companies yeah new networks it's all about the networking and yeah just even because tv has been very london centric and there are more kind of programs now back north i still think there could be even more which hopefully is kind of it's kind of looking that way but but yeah but like how quiet is it usually you know how how many programs are there running in the north generally which has been quite hard to ascertain but yes what's the sort of content that's made then at the moment content uh the sort of programs that they make at the moment is it genuinely like factual news current affairs or is it quite a lot of drama and children's and oh in in the north or Mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah so uh, you're you're in Manchester, aren't you? Would just yeah. say for the viewers, not viewers, listeners, but um, yeah. So you're another lawyer working outside of Leeds. Yes, indeed. So in terms of, uh, well, there's a variety really. I think there's slightly less drama, maybe, mm-hmm. 
there's children's TV um, in Media City. That's all mm. down there, here. Down here? Up here? I never know which <laughs> direction. <laughs> it's my pet hate of my dad's. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going down, down, what is it? Down to Leeds. And he's like, no, it's up to Leeds. <laughs> Well, it's, it's kind of wrong both ways, isn't it, really? Because, you know, if you think about the globe, they, it's arbitrary that we put it that way up and north at the top. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, it depends on which direction you're facing. But, yeah, in ter- so there is a variety. There's lots of factual, lots of this back tent as well. You know, things like educating Yorkshire, um, oh, yeah. goggle box, first dates. The state's produced up here. Um, well, it, it's not produced up here, but oh, actually, yeah, I think the n- new first dates. Okay. In a Manchester right um, yeah, restaurant, yeah. which I managed to work on during lockdown, which was yeah. great. I loved that. Absolutely great. Well, so yeah, the, the there is a variety of stuff. It's just obviously there's less people. Mm. going for the same roles maybe yeah well, you, so you're saying there's less people applying now because I suppose more people are kind of working from home or worried about going out into the workforce so there are less applications or mm. no at the moment I would say I think there's more because right, yeah, yeah. people have got more, more time there's more people currently not in jobs <laughs> so um I, well I, I don't know uh, to be honest um I it could be normal the amount of applications but I think because of the current circumstances more people searching for jobs and luckily this this time around productions are still running like even if you watch Strictly Come Dancing I think it's amazing how they've managed to kind of continue to do it And, and and I think I think that's the thing about TV and creative things is that people don't realize how amazing and pinnacle it is in terms of how much content you you take in from it and how much it gives to people and it's escapism and or you can see someone who maybe looks like you or has a similar background to you or alternatively someone from you know different part of the country and understanding their perspective I think Mm. In terms of TV, it brings, it just shows you the just the variety and amazingness of everyone around you and mm. all the different, all the different way kind of lives that people have kind of lived, um, mm. all from sitting in you know sitting on your couch. <laughs> yeah, TV is a very interesting one. I mean, I've got a strange relationship with TV I used to be like obsessively watching the TV when I was a kid and then I did I went up to Northumberland and did the TV production course there which is one of the best ones well at the time was one of the best ones in the country and it it just wasn't for me because I was more of a film person but the one thing that it did in terms of TV was it just realized and made me realize how lazy a lot of it is and like the thing that I came away from that you know this is me talking in a sort of I want exciting camera work and and stuff going all over the place so when I came back I sort of realized that the best things in terms of tv camera work and the crew and the craft of it is the sport like you can't get 
like the way that they, especially now, the way that they can fly the cameras all over the place, the vision mixing, like that's really sort of top of the game technically, I think. That's still a personal opinion. Yeah. Um, TV itself, you know, it's kind of, it's still got a bit of stigma as being kind of like a working class medium. You know, it's like for the, for the public, for the great unwashed masses Mm -hmm. of like people watching TV. But then you've had this kind of renaissance of TV with all these like, you know, must watch TV programs and stuff and with bigger screens and, you know, the development of the technology. So it is a wonderful thing. Like you mentioned Gogglebox earlier. Yeah. And I really like Gogglebox. Mm. And it, and what I find interesting is because I'd done that TV module, like I'd done some TV study in my course, in my mm. degree, I, I was like the domestic side of TV and the politics of who you know, how how the household consumes TV mm. and the politics of the remote control and, like, just people sat watching. I think it's just a really interesting kind of ethnological document, really. I, and I know that it's, like, it's, it's made to be more exciting for TV, but it's still an interesting thing. I think mm. it's a, you know, it's a very interesting thing to watch and watching how people watch TV. Um, this is a bit of a tangent. But... And, and also what's great about... Google box I would say it's I think it's the simplicity of it as well because mm. I, I think sometimes when an idea is too complicated like if there's no story there if there's no characters involved in in the program a lot of people kind of switch off because they're they're what's kind of yeah even in everything like the, the story is is the most important thing but with Gogglebox it's it's so simple but you you get so many stories out of it and you know dynamics between you know brother and sister mum and dad you know friends and um and it's just so relatable as well you know mm. everyone can relate to sitting down and you know watching I, I watched the cube one and it was interesting seeing how they react to the same people that I'd watched on the cube getting annoyed with them because he was really rude (laughs) and how they reacted and you know their response to it um yeah it's yeah I'm just just fascinated generally with I suppose humans (laughs) okay so I want to cover um some of your previous jobs but I also want to before I go into that uh what is stopping you from from shooting your documentary then is it just like your sense of competency with the camera or um, have you not got, have do you not have a subject is it well one I don't have a camera yeah <laughs> so, so and especially during these times you know you could film on the phone you know someone could say well you know nowadays it's there on your phone but I think for me and maybe I've made it bigger in my head but for me, I want to make content like Simon Reeve or Louis Theroux. And a, a, a part of me does want to do that interview, like presenter type thing where I'm interviewing them on on screen or Stacey Dooley even. So, and I don't want to be like, um, like a YouTube vlogger. Mm-hmm. Which, which is kind of I don't know with with your phone it, it could come across a bit less professional yeah so so I, I could go out I, I suppose but then there's 
there's so many dynamics where I can't do it all on my own. Mm. I'll need someone with me to help, you know. Then there's also... You'll, you'll need a researcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then what else? Um, yeah, yeah you, you need permissions, obviously, making sure you get the right people. You need the story um, in the first place in finding the right people. But, I, you know, I did make a documentary um, during my master's so you know but and, the, the, and all of that stuff is stuff that you do for other people when you're getting paid for it I think yeah I, I don't know if you agree with this but I I think it's much harder to do something when it's for yourself yeah because and especially when you when you know you won't get paid for that as well it's like well I can do this thing but everybody in the world is doing a thing now. <laughs> like what what incentivizes me to actually go and make that effort because you know what it would entail you know how much yeah. work it would be I, I think for me it's more I'm my own worst enemy in terms of self-critic a bit of a perfectionist I'm not gonna lie it's not and good so, enough not good enough yeah not good <laughs> enough and 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 that actually that's a big thing in in tv I did um a screen skill session recently on public speaking but also that idea of imposter syndrome there's a lot of that going on because in tv like, like i said there's this long list of things you need to be able to do you have to go into that job going yep i'm on it you know i can't fail i've got to be on top of my game if i fail at this job then word spreads so yeah. you know I, you know if they think i'm lazy and incompetent or I've done done something drastically wrong like maybe didn't press record on the camera you know then that reputation kind of follows you but then but then obviously I've made that up in in my head because generally all the programs so far I've worked on you know I've got very kind of good feedback so there's nothing that's there's no evidence that that would happen but that's always I suppose in the back of your head mm. the self-doubt creeping in mm. <laughs> so but where, oh, where was I um in terms of yeah kind of going out and shooting myself yeah and, and the thing is with my masters the mm. uni could provide the cameras mm. you know, the equipment obviously I had to create I basically came up with the idea so my documentary was looking at the power of music on children mm-hmm. and it was half an hour and I had two to three months to make it, which is not that long. Ended up doing like 25 plus more interviews. It, it was a crazy time. <laughs> Some might say I bit off more than I could chew, but you know, I like a challenge. <laughs> Yeah, but you made it, so you didn't, yeah. you know, you got it finished, so. Yeah, exactly, I achieved it. Um, so, yeah, from that, so I came up with the idea, had to find the contributors, had to, you know, find the organisations to get involved, had to find, I did some filming myself, including mm. in a hospital, but I had to have a friend help on sound, or I had other cameramen to get involved to, you know, kind of film the larger groups of, kids that I was kind of filming with so really you kind of you need a team of people in some ways and have thought about 
setting up my own production company, kind of going full self-employed. But the business side, the finance side, I don't have a clue <laughs> at all. Well, so you, and you're you, never taught that. So yeah. Really well, yeah. This is this is the key thing with it, you know, like even with my course when we were doing. There was a lot of stuff about the internet and there was one particular module, I can't remember who the, the lecturer was, but talking about, you know, setting up online and stuff. And every time he was like, how are you going to make money out of it? How are you going to make money out of it? And this was before all of, you know, just advertising and, and you know, before Patreon and all these things. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, you know, that's all well and good, but what you, it's going to cost you money to run that. So mm. how are you going to make money out of it? How is it going to pay for itself? I think that's the hard hard thing to do but they should be teaching you that like you know if we supposedly live in a capitalist economy then we should know how to be capitalist surely yeah. like how do you run this business and how you know you get a sense of it and you pick things up from other people but I bet a lot of these you know that statistic of like you know most businesses failing within the first year and I think a lot of that is just getting your head around running a business yeah you know, completely different to being part of a business because there's a lot of pitfalls and a lot of things to cover and you know you, you should have some background in that I think we should we all should or even from a young age I think like primary school kids should be taught well maybe, maybe primary is a bit too young <laughs> maybe secondary school um about tax about mortgages about like interest to, rates today. <laughs> yeah or, or just kind of you know how do you budget there's, mm. there's never any I don't to be honest I'm still terrible at budgeting and especially in a freelance world you've got to be a lot more on it really and then I think also with my industry it's a bit more complex because there's different types of freelance so mm. I'm freelance but I'm not self-employed because I'm still on like PAYE so I'm on kind of short contracts but then as you step up you then are self-employed so you have to start doing your account taxes yeah oh god I'm like I'm li literally dreading <laughs> dreading that day because yeah. like literally I don't I've never had to deal with that my whole entire life so you know I've never been taught it so um, so what so what is your go-to is it going to be like straight to family and ask for advice or is it hiring an accountant would you be able to afford an accountant like which, which would be your route or would you try and try and just find out yourself of how I think to do work it? it out for yourself yeah I think I'd have to just work it out and take the plunge to be honest I've taken a lot of risks I would say in my careers and life and at the time it feels like what am I doing? Oh my God. <laughs> but actually those risks and even kind of on some of the jobs where I've really felt like I'm no good at this. I can't do this. Yeah. Even during the documentary I made, I'm like, what am I doing? I can't do this. But actually I think the challenges are where you learn the most and in, in some ways failure you learn the most you, I think you're taught that failure is a bad thing like during primary and secondary school like in just in general you, you know you have you, you have to know what you're doing from a young age 
you know you, you you've got to succeed 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 yeah actually you know what is success like that's the thing I've been like what is success mm-hmm. you know what is what is a good career you know actually it's very individual individualistic um I would say but I, there's a it's interesting there's a lot of perceptions on what job you do like it's interesting when I tell people I work in tv compared to some of my other jobs I used to have the different perceptions mm-hmm. that people had with that that title of a job mm-hmm. um it was um yeah it's very interesting how people can judge you just on your job title or think they know just people think tv is glamorous it ain't glamorous (laughs) in any (laughs) sense it's in some some aspects of it as kind of a glorified office worker you know well the the show is i mean you know it's the same with like with with theater production Mm. You know, you, you have like if you think of a typical sort of proscenium arch, and you've got the lights on, you've got the music, mm. and and well, that's on. That's magic, you know. Like that's the magic of theatre. But mm-hmm. behind it is, you know, there's a guy sat in a control room messing around with levers. There's loads of actors running around half naked backstage, changing yeah. into costumes and out of them, and it's utter chaos. Yeah, you know, nothing glamorous about that. But the magic happens in the lighting and the music. It's mm. the same with TV. You know, you took. As you're making the programme, it's a lot of people stood around in the rain and mud and the cold in big mm. coats going, this is, this is a pain, isn't it? And then the end result is like, wow, look at this thing that's on for half an hour. And that was mildly diverting. So Yeah. You, you kind of, that, I think that's why people see it as glamorous, because you don't think of all the people stood around for ages asking people not to walk through shot. And <laughs> yeah, can you go around here, please? No, I always come through here. Like, you know hours of looking through books to try and find certain facts um but the end result is glamorous I think. yeah that's true although uh, interestingly um um I remembered because I also do um singing and playing guitar on the side I remember going to a gig once you play guitar on its side oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's fine <laughs> uh I, I do love a uh, well, I was, I was going to say a crap joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I'll, that's one thing I was going to ask is, um, like, can you swear on this? But yeah, I suppose you can. Not yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, so it's up to you. I could always cut it out later. Is the, is the thing you know, like if you if you badmouth everyone and then go, oh, hang on, I probably shouldn't have it out in the world. <laughs> uh, but I remember some guy coming up to me and going, ooh you must get paid a lot to be a musician and I was just like looking at him like what like who <laughs> are you but the thing is for people who are not involved in music they see the pop stars they see the glam they see you know Beyonce on stage with you know all the kind of backing dancers and stuff and think oh all singers must you know been raking it in but actually there's hundreds and thousands of people you know just going to tiny open mics and trying to make a living out of it and really really struggling Mm. Um, and people don't see that or all kind of even yeah I suppose starting out it's how do you 
build a fan base and get you know get people to go to local gigs where they don't know anyone and invest in people they don't know rather than now I think people are like oh I'll only like him because so and so likes him you know there's that kind of collective thinking of taking a risk on people mm -hmm. you might know about I don't know if that makes sense does that make sense no it does it does make sense I mean it's basically it's like trying to build a customer base isn't it essentially yeah. like what well, you build a fan base in music terms but you you're trying to build a following you're trying to mm. create work that people like that they'll come back to and they'll bring other people to um, and, and, and also I think actually it's one thing in tv and maybe in un other industries but actually taking a risk on someone who hasn't got all the box ticked, you know, mm. all those boxes ticked, because actually someone could have the perfect degree, mm. but actually they might they might not be that enthusiastic. Well, they know. might have no life experience whatsoever. They might yeah, be very sheltered and have gone straight degree. to university and yeah. got a good degree and didn't even, like, you know, stray while they're at uni I mean there are plenty of people who go to university and are very very straight straight laced aren't they so mm. um whereas there could be someone else who actually they might not have you know the ideal skills but um there's other elements of their personality or skill or skill sets from other things that actually would make them a lot better so having companies take a risk on that rather than a safe, oh, I've worked with him before, you know, I better use him again. Yeah. So taking risks on people and... Bringing in new blood, you know, rather than yeah. just, you know, the same people all the time. And it's like, well, you're going to have the same ideas. If you want to do something new, you have to change something. Yeah. I think that's what's maybe slightly changed. I could be wrong, but I was reading um, Simon Reeves' book and he was like a, a postie in, um, I think it was a newspaper, newspaper like journalism company. Um, and because he had, he was enthusiastic, he did a few side jobs and then ended up being a researcher. And then from that, the, the I think the producer guy really took a shining to him mm. and took a chance on him. And he ended up doing all these bonkers, amazing bonkers things. And I don't think health and safety was probably the same back then <laughs> as mm. it was now. I think there needs to be more champions involved in actually championing people coming up. That's what I'd kind of like to be in some mm. way. A champion for helping people see the potential that they have and, you know, somehow giving them opportunities. Do you think you see quite a lot of that in the industry still? I mean, like when when I was younger and... I was all sort of TV and film obsessed. You, you, you always got the impression that if that there, there was lots of opportunity to advance quite quickly if you're in the, you know, if you were doing the right things and you were in the right places mm -hmm. and the right people liked you. Do you think there's and and a lot of the people like when I did work on sort of odd shoots here and there, a lot of the the industry people were generally like really good, really sort of eager mm -hmm. to to help you and sort of say you know, oh, you've been really good and, like, you know, I can recommend you on something else or if I get a job here. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just people saying things. But is there still quite a lot of that? Are, are people quite willing to 
kind of help or is it more a sense of kind of protecting your own territory now of like mm. well I, I don't want to bring new people in because that's going to be a threat to my job and my work yeah I think it's a mix I so uh, during my master's I got onto a scheme called the network which is like a four-day tv industry thing and sounds like yeah. a thriller film <laughs> <laughs> the network um and actually if it wasn't for them I I would be more probably screwed than than I am <laughs> um, and so basically they you get a four-day tv industry insight and then they put you on to a get into work scheme mm-hmm. and from that I managed to get an internship a paid internship but it was in London so I was in Manchester at the time and I'd I only could have done that because it was paid you know it was a paid internship if it wasn't paid so, someone else would have got it who can afford you know paid, yeah. for however long um so it was a six-month internship and I that was amazing because I got to work on different kind of a development for half a day or went and ran on a show like I ran on Crystal Maze which was amazing and you know I did some I did a camera kind of course during there but I then I think the hardship comes when you're out of that when I went into freelancing so I went out of that bubble of of that production company and vending for myself and I do think actually coming back north there's more of a sense of community here and mm. people actually willing to help help you a bit more here than in London I think it's a, a bit more it's a bit more familial whereas London's in, a bit more strangers I yeah I, I think it's harder to create a community in London because it's so big mm. and um, so many people so, like just churn through the city yeah or you know if you don't want that job, you know, say yeah, and have yeah. to do it. But I, I just still think there needs to be more kind of getting camera experience and like how mm. how how am I gonna get camera experience without someone taking a risk on me going out and shooting something for the show? Mm. It, it's kind of that kind of thing of, you know, obviously they still need to make a programme. Obviously, you know, you still have to do the job the job that you were you know asked to do Mm. but it's those little little things of yeah giving someone the chance to do to do it okay let's let's talk about some previous jobs then so before you were doing this how how long have you got oh yeah I've got as long as you want so I mean mean, I'm quite happy to keep going oh yeah if you get tired or bored or anything Just, just let me know. Um, yeah. So, what was what was your first job? My first job was when I was eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, worked in a new, my brother's news agent. Yeah. And was also a paper girl. Mm-hmm. Um, although, albeit, <laughs> well, I think it was probably more because I was a, a a girl more than anything. But my dad did help drive some of the way to deliver the papers so you know I did have a helping hand <laughs> um so yeah I did that when I was 11 so I suppose that's quite young in terms of 
starting off having a job. But it was that, like, that you know, get you pocket money, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, it was just like weekend stuff. I had to hide in the back whenever someone came in to, you know, take top shelf magazines when they existed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started off doing that. And then, so what did I do from there? Um, then, did I help with my... So then my start, oldest brother's in a state. you stay in school or... You yeah, so I, I did school. Then I went to college. And then I went to uni and my undergrad was in drama mm-hmm. and that was in London. That was my first experience of leaving home in a very large city, very expensive city. So, yeah, so I went over to London, did a drama degree, which, alas, didn't get me very far. <laughs> did you enjoy the course? Did you, did you find the course um, I think in hindsight, I would have done something different. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was kind of, it wasn't like an acting degree, and I think mm-hmm. for me, it was more the performance side that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was like half half, some theory, some practical, but then there was a lot of kind of performance art stuff, so a bit more avant garde, a bit niche, I would say. There was, you know, there was some kind of like what was it making Shakespeare or something where we combined different Shakespeare's together and made a performance out of it but then I also did kind of interventions or had to do um, a performance on a body part so did it on lips and then wrote a comedy song about PDA which is Mm. still on the ethers of YouTube somewhere So yeah, I did that and then I stayed in London for an extra year and danced in the opening ceremony of the Olympics, which was um, a great experience. And so yeah, during that time, I was working at the university shop, that was it, as a supervisor and I kind of stayed there a bit after I finished my third year and then... I got a lot of kind of event stuff like it was kind of, it was kind of um what's it called you know the agencies where you, they you can apply for like admin jobs or event jobs oh like temp agencies kind of yeah yeah temp agencies that's it um so yeah I did kind of some of that oh I, yeah because I think I just I decided to leave the university shop because got to the point where I was like yeah I don't don't want to sell you sandwiches anymore (laughs) um especially when the campus was like dead as well there's like no one around so you're standing around doing nothing for ages so yeah I did random stuff like events at London Zoo I also did Cadbury's World like an event that popped up but then I got to the point where I just I had to move back home basically made the decision moving back home to Leeds mm. and that was quite hard I would, I would say why, why why would you say it was hard did you feel like was it sort of or did you feel like a failure kind of yeah back? kind of and like oh I should have stayed there and and I suppose it was that thing where I didn't really know what I was doing I was like yeah. you know what do I want to do who am I yeah um, and I think there is a lot of stigma and it still annoys me to to this day 
say if you are living with your parents like so what who you know who cares um but there is that stigma of oh you've you know moved back with your parents I, d- I don't know there's just like a well I, I see it as a benefit I mean if I drop dead here at least they'll find me you know yeah. <laughs> if I was yeah. in London still in a flat on my own I could be there for three years before someone discovered me oh well to be honest I kind of I had a story where I lived with someone mm. and um he had the wi-fi in his bedroom so obviously if anything went wrong with the wi-fi um it would have to go to his bedroom to kind of sort it out but anyway um when uh, i hadn't seen him for ages and like one day um he came in and i was like oh hello hey james how are you and he's like oh i've just been in hospital for two weeks (laughs) (laughs) didn't even know didn't even like freaked me out and then i was like he could have died in his bedroom and yeah. we would have known. And that actually horrified me. I think I think, yeah, there's I think that's the thing in London sometimes. I felt very lonely in London. Mm. Uh, I think. It got to the point where I don't know, I just it's a very hard city to live in if you don't have a lot of money, basically. Yeah. Well and also you've got to you you really gotta push yourself out there in London, don't yeah. you? You know, like no one's gonna come and give you anything in London. You have to, like, it's all there, but you have to go and get it. Yeah, and then so yeah, I moved back home, and then I, I think I, I helped at my brother's pub for some of it, and then again did like temping jobs. I then worked in a hospital as a ward clerk for mm. I think that was about six months. That's a random turn, isn't it? I think everyone in their career should work at hospital just to understand how amazing you know the NHS and how hospitals run and just the network of people that are involved and just every aspect of it I think everyone should work in a hospital mm, very good very good <laughs> I, I will emphasize for the listener that, they, that you were putting your finger on the table. <laughs> I am very firm on this point. I forgot, I forgot. Yeah, the sound. Because, that, um, yeah, I worked on, it was like a haematology ward, mm-hmm. across two haematology wards. And then I also worked a bit on the young adults ward as well. And then helped on thoracic as well. And, you know, it was just kind of getting case notes and just, you know, admin kind of stuff and reception work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, yeah, the the it, I think it was an amazing experience to have, actually. Mm. And then I also worked at Asda Customer Complaints. Ooh, in Leeds? Yes. The headquarters. Yeah. How was that? Oh, well. Were you, were you front line? Say that again. So, so were you with a front line of complaints? Yeah, so people would people? ring up and complain about the salty crisps not being salty enough. Or um, or I did have a, a three-hour conversation with one guy about he'd put his pin in wrong, but then was annoyed how they dealt with it. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> the joys. Um, <laughs> and it was quite funny with that because right at the beginning, we have like a little coach trainer who listens to your conversation and he was like 
oh, can can we use um, your opening line as a way of, you know, an example of how you should sound, you know, positive and happy introduction on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it got like two months down the line. <laughs> and he listened, he's like, where's that spark gone? <laughs> Being <don't>... snuffed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think I did that for three months. I, I, I couldn't. And there was someone there who they need, to be honest, anyone who say, stays there for a long time, they need a medal. There was someone who'd been working there for like 15 years and she loved it. Like, that's the thing. She she loved it. She kind of really enjoyed it. Mm. I was just like, you need a medal. Like, yeah, just the, so they had some funny ones. But... Well, you're hearing negativity all day. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and some of it's just so, you know, first world problems, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's such a nothing, like someone yeah. complaining about nothing that you have to take seriously. Yeah. When you feel like it's just going, look around you. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> then also. about this. Yeah. And then also what, when there was an issue, it was really difficult for me because sometimes I'd have to pass it on. Mm. I couldn't solve the problem myself. I'd have to pass it on and then sometimes that problem wasn't solved and so you know I, it was, I found it quite frustrating that I couldn't actually yeah, um, resolve, resolve the issues sometimes and so yeah I did that and again I kind of did some temporary work where I'd worked as a receptionist at Land Rovers, worked in a tax company. I, I, told, I told you uh, you'd be here forever. <laughs> Going through my job. Uh, yeah, my my CV similar, like you know, all sorts of random sort of temporary roles. Yeah. Um, and then I worked at a storytelling children's centre, and which I, sounds interesting and exciting, was it? Um, the job itself, yes, and without naming names, <laughs> the management needed, you know. A slap. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing is with some companies, and it does perplex me, is when they don't listen to staff. And mm. if there is an issue, or if, if people are voicing that there's a problem, mm-hmm. and you know, you could take that as it someone being negative about their company, but actually, you know, you should take on criticism. And look at it and go, hmm, okay, a lot of staff are unhappy. How can we resolve this? Mm. You know, don't keep, con- don't continue to do things that are making staff unhappy because actually, you, yeah, I, I, it's, just, it's just the thing like, people are not going to say. People yeah. are not going to say. And actually, I, I think that, you know, when or there's a positive. Or give a good performance in, either. Or give yeah. a good performance in the work either. Yeah. Yeah, I put a lot into it, <laughs> but because that's kind of the way I am. I kind of got exhausted from it, really. And then I got to the point where, I, well, I ended up quitting, basically. And it was kind of a pinnacle point because I'd seen this master's at Salford Uni. And so I applied for that because I'd worked with kids. So I thought, you know, I understand kids. I'd like to kind of go into something that involves, I don't know, inspiring kids or, you know, 
creating content that they can watch. And so I thought the kids' TV production course was up my street, basically. So I'd applied for that. I hadn't, didn't know whether I'd got it yet. And then quit my job. And then my band split up. So I was like, right. <laughs> and then I, I managed to get the master's. So I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to <laughs> Manchester now. Um, and took a risk, you know. Yeah. And took out, you know, a second student loan, um, mm. post-grad loan. And then moved to Lon- back to London to do my internship. And then moved back back to Manchester at the start of this year. So, yeah, I've been, I've kind of dotted all around the place, mm-hmm. really. But, yeah, I should, I should have really got my, I, I should have prepped myself for this no, conversation no, no. and got my CV <laughs> out to remind me. Well, I, 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 I still like... I still like these being quite free form, but I think as I go through, I will put more of a formula into them. But I like that at the moment, I'm kind of still finding my feet for the show as well of like what I want it to be. So I was listening to one recently that I was editing and I was like, I need to put more effort into the curation of these. Like I need Mm -hmm. to treat them with a bit more value. Like I've not really done much on, on introductions because I don't want, you know, when I've listened to other podcasts, especially interview podcasts, I'm kind of like, I'm here to listen to the interview. I don't want 10 minutes of the, the host, like, rabbiting on about whatever. Yeah. But I think as well that it's useful to kind of prep what you're talking about, what you cover and that kind of thing, and also just kind of put the thing into a bit more perspective. So I think I'll do that later down the line. But at the moment, I nearly poked myself in the eye. <laughs> at the moment, I think keeping it fairly free form yeah and because that the fact that you don't prepare lets people kind of go off on these tangents and that's where you find the the um the gems (laughs) yeah i think that's why i like documentaries because you you you're you you can never prepare yeah you go where the story goes or what what you're gonna record or find and um so when I did the filming in the hospital and basically it was musicians who went into Manchester Children's Hospital and played to kind of children on the ward mm-hmm. and just, you know, um, Tommy, he was um, one of the kids involved. He was he was deaf and he had like a tracheotomy at- attached to his um, throat and he's only what like one or two and I captured this moment where um he sat on the bed and Mark's playing the guitar and he puts his little hands through the bed bars and just puts his fingers on the guitar strings and feels the vibrations and then he just has this amazing smile on his face um and it's just having that moment where it's like wow the impact that music has had on him and just in that moment has taken away everything else that's kind of going on with him away mm. he's kind of just enjoying the the music and the the feeling that it gives him mm. um and you know uh, I wouldn't have ever seen that if I hadn't decided to go with yeah. film in the hospital so yeah, so that's what I, I love about... And nor could you have planned the moment. I mean, you could no. have been away, but, you know, yeah, the yeah. fact that you don't plan it makes it actually genuinely moving. Yeah, but I didn't yeah. even know him before I 
went into the hospital. I think he happened to be there that day, I think. But I, I think that's a, one thing I kind of thought about maybe chatting in terms of job type of stuff is that perception when you're really young that you should know what you're doing and actually your career you should should you know by the time you're 18 you should be successful or I, I don't know even with social media now you can compare yourself all the time to oh that person's done this by this age and mm-hmm. that person's done that by that age you know how has that person managed to do that but actually that was another interesting aspect of um going into tvs that i went in late so mm-hmm. i started tv when i was 27 mm-hmm. whereas there was uh, kind of a lot younger people coming mm-hmm. in you know when they're 21 or kind of even younger and one thing i did find was that people who came straight out of uni and then did a masters maybe or just came straight out of uni mm-hmm. i don't think often they could see the opportunities they could be taking mm-hmm. because they haven't experienced life yeah yet. they haven't experienced the lack of opportunity that's there in reality yeah, <laughs> yeah they haven't yeah. So they turned down good things that was like you should have really got on that oh they, they, ha- they haven't re- experienced reality i suppose they mm. just i think sometimes you know they just feel like things are going to come to them on things are going to come to you on a plate and actually you have to work you know friggin hard you have to to, work to get things on your plate (laughs) yeah yeah or you know I I think I'm I would say I say a lot I say yes to a lot of things just because yeah yeah I just I just I just like trying new things and you just Mm. don't know where it'll lead do you think you've got a better sense of that now though do you think that now that you're in your 30s and you've done that through your pre, you know, through your twenties of like, I'm going to say yes to this, and you, 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 you think you've got more of a sense now of like, I know how that's going to go. I don't really want to do that, but this one looks really interesting. And maybe actually, yeah, maybe I am a bit more selective. One thing, actually, another thing I was going to mention is about pigeonholing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think for me, being told, oh, you can only do this. You can only do this in a role. So basically, coming out of my internship, I ended up getting an archive researcher role. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know at the time that archive researching is very niche. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So basically, archive researching is where you're finding clips and, you know, old footage for documentary kind of stuff. So I got that. And then I got another archive researcher job. And then I got another archive researcher job. And so obviously, I was building up credits as an archive researcher but that's not really what I wanted to do because you wanted to be yeah be with people to go out on location I wanted to chat to people I didn't you know for some people searching on YouTube and finding the videos and there are interesting aspects to it of course but then because I had these credits I just found myself people going oh do you want this archive researcher job? Do you want this archive yeah. researcher job? Do you want this? And I'm like, no, no more. <laughs> <laughs> so actually during lockdown, weirdly, I had quite a stressful job, archive research job. And I just, I was like, I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 I need to put a stop to it and try and figure out how I can get back into casting 
we'll get mm-hmm. back into kind of location stuff which is a bit balmy because obviously <laughs> it was during lockdown where you know no productions were being made and yeah an internal dialogue of am I crazy am I being stupid no I think it's a brave thing to do you know like there's a there's a difference with you know knowing knowing what you don't want to do I think is just as important or if not more important than knowing what you want because I think there's quite a there's quite a wide remit of things that we like doing and things that we'll put up with and definitely as you get into your 30s you kind of know what that is a lot more because you've been sort of doing whatever in your 20s yeah so yeah I think that's that's an important step of like yeah it can be a risk but is it though is it more of a risk to go and do something that you don't really want to do and stick yourself somewhere where you don't want to be I mean in the long term that's more of a risk surely than just saying no to it I know like the immediate thing is like well I'll have money I'll have the role I'll have other opportunities but I think yeah I think that's the right decision yeah and I got a casting researcher role exactly yeah it worked out (laughs) so so but um you do know what you're doing (laughs) well should tell myself that more um but it is that thing of people would just go look at my cv and go that's all you can do Mm. that like you are an archive researcher and i'm i'm like no i'm more than that i've got these other skills and I don't like being I think when people tell me I can't do something I then go and try and prove them wrong in some kind of way I think for me I love my problem is is I love doing different things and trying different things and you know I do my music I do the tv I you know I I, want to kind of go into more um presenting type stuff I also you know want to do like youth work and so for me there's all these different elements but I'm just I'm just like how how do I bring them together or Mm. you know um should I just be focusing on one thing and you know do all the other elements on on the side so I still don't really know, Simon. I, yeah, but I don't really know. I don't um, really know. Um, I don't think it matters at this point. I think, you know, like I say, you you know what you don't want to do when you're kind of, you know, you, you're, you're now in this space of building up this this experience. Yeah. And I think through this, you know, you it, it'll come to you. Yeah. Kind of I mean, I, like, with this, I did, so, uh, you know, the the idea of this was 2017, something like that. Mm. So, and it and it took me this long just to get this far mm. with it. Not very far at all at the moment. But, but you it know, is because yeah, you, because you've, you're you, doing you've done it. it. Yeah, That's... you've got you've got to that that stage. But it was kind of oh well, I could go down a podcast route, and it's like well, everybody in the world's got a mm. podcast. Like, what are you going to do? What's going to be different? And it was like, well, I like work, I like sort of talking about work and diff- I, I, I don't like work <laughs> but I find it interesting yeah and I've you know like I've got the different jobs that I've done mm. and I think I've got from that experience I think that's given me quite a good perspective of work as a subject yeah so you, you know and I think you'll you know if you get to that point where you're like right I'm going to make my documentary now all of this experience will be mm. stuff that will play into it of like 
these are the ideas that you want to use and this is the experience that you want to use and so on. Funnily enough, I'd, I'd love to do a documentary where I go and try different jobs mm. and, ju and just, you know, and especially like really random jobs that you, you just, you don't even know that's a thing. Because mm. I, I think that, again, when you're younger, it's kind of, you don't really understand the, the amount of scope jobs. of yeah. jobs there are. Yeah. You, you know, it's just, I want to be a scientist. I want to be a, you know. You want to be whatever you see or experience, yeah. don't you, really? And if you don't see or experience, you know, like, how many shows do you get about working in a food factory on TV? But, you know, yeah. there's people who still work in food manufacturing in the UK. Um, it's a good job for a lot of people. Yeah. I, this is spiel that I heard from one of the sector skills people on food manufacturing. But it's true, you know. And with engineering, you know, you get a lot of a lot of people sort of had bat uh, kind of negative attitudes towards the, the new apprenticeships and stuff. And there's there's pros and cons to it. Mm. But they were saying that they found with a lot of teachers, they were just kind of pushing apprenticeships with the, you know, the students that they were like, they're the underperforming student. You know, there was a, like a kind of class bias to it of like, you're a bit rubbish, you're going to work in the petrol station and you're going to do this. But those apprenticeships that they were kind of like, you should do an apprenticeship, some of them would be like, for, you know, for example, Rolls Royce or something where you're working with like high, you know, really mm. sort of high-end engineering and stuff and a lot of some of them are rubbish some of the apprenticeships are rubbish but some of them can be really great mm. uh, but I think as well why I want to do this is to show some of the breadth of jobs yeah. not everybody works just in an office or a factory or a supermarket you know there, there's whatever is happening in the world somebody is working on that in yeah way yeah like you know uh, there's like a biscuit dunker that you put yeah. into your tea and it's like who came up with that who actually designed that and then the packaging around it because oh yeah that, I also worked um, a graphic design company where they did packaging for supermarkets mm. and it was just again amazing of all all the different elements that go into you know you pick up a takeaway thing and it's just automatic you put it in your trolley but the amount of time that's gone into that packaging, the colours that they've used, the font that they've used, someone's designed that. And just, yeah, there's just so many kind of elements to it. And it, yeah, it, it is interesting in terms of jobs, in terms of perception, because when I did the Asda customer complaints job, telling people that I often felt a certain people's perception of that job, like a call centre job. Yep kind of interesting compared to you know, like I said when I say I work in TV people are like oh and start asking me loads of questions about it and oh do you work on the screen or behind the screen or whereas with that kind of job people are just a bit like oh you know uh, there's and obviously you know it's not our it's very different but there is that slight perception of it not being a great yeah yeah it's like you know it's like i don't know or why would you want to do that kind of thing but yeah. for some people like i said some people love it and that's what they yeah. want to do and you shouldn't discourage someone 
if that if that's what makes them happy is if that gives them money you know for their table for their mom well, not for their table <laughs> i know what you mean um, <laughs> that puts food on the table money in their pocket yeah, yeah yeah and they're satisfied with that then who is to question whether that's a good job or not mm. it's a good job for them and if that makes them happy well, and that's i think that's the the sort of it depends what your criteria is and for a lot of people it's just like I need money to pay the bills I don't you know so long as I'm not treated appallingly I get a decent amount of remuneration I'm happy I'm just going to go in I'm going to do it I'm going to come home and I live my life at home yeah the job's not that much of a part of it and I think as well when you do have you know you do have family you do have kids you have things going on outside it, it makes it a lot easier you know I don't know if it was the same for you but when I was much when I first started work and you you know you're sort of going out a lot and stuff and it's just nice to have the money in your pocket and you don't really care that much about what you're doing so long as you've got money to go out and go on holiday but then after a while it becomes like well I'm spending most of my time in this place it needs to be it needs to have a bit more of something going on for me yeah is what's going to happen and like um, even um I'd say like, you know, you have to have a house by a certain time. You know, you've got to be married with kids by a certain time. That all contributes, I think, to people's kind of perceptions of jobs and where they where they should be, I think. Mm. But but it's the kind of by osmosis, though, isn't it? It's like you, you, you kind of it's like that thing of everybody knows what normal is, but nobody thinks they're it. So, you know, like we see these representations of things of like this is a person of this age they have this thing you know whether they're single or or not from whatever entertainment you know whether it's a soap opera or a film or whatever there are characters that conform to certain social norms within them that you then pick up on saying like oh well you know like they're they're approaching 30 you're just coming to 30 right the end of your 20s I think I don't know if it was the same for you but for me was like oh, I should be doing a thing and there should be more of it. I should be somewhere else at this point and more mm-hmm. of my life should be like this and I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, much more of a, much more of a crisis about turning 30 than actually being 30 and then being 30 is like, do you know what, this is actually great because I'm not that worried anymore about stuff and I actually feel a lot more relaxed. So, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any, any rules. Like you say, in, in terms of doing all these different jobs, you're gathering life experience that's mm. going to come in useful, like whether it's for your research job now or for other mm. programs later down the line. It's like you have insight from those life experiences. And a lot of that's not counted, you know, like everything's so CV obsessed. Yeah. That it's like, yeah. It's, if I can't put it on this random bit of paper, then it's not important. It's like, it is, just maybe not yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah, that I think that's what my my worry previously has been is that someone looks at my CV and goes, "Eh?" (laughs) (laughs) what are you, what do you want to do? Like, like, or or would I look as if I'm, I'm not committed to anything. And it's not that I'm not committed to that job. You know, when I have a job, I would say, you know, I put my all into it and very hardworking. I really like, I really, you know take pride in your work yeah yeah definitely but I'm very much like if it doesn't feel 
right to me or doesn't feel like it's what I want to do I'm not going to stay in that job and continue to do it because it'll just you know it'll make me unhappy whereas I don't know there's that idea of having the one stable job you know see is seen as something you should have really whereas actually kids should kids should be told that you can change your mind you don't you might not know what you want to do and actually that's fine not knowing what you want to do is not a bad thing try and try and you know explore what you want to do and try different jobs you know if you can and I think that having those people who champion you is actually really important in in youth and your early career where people can see something in you that you might not be able to see and having that I think is really important for kids now I think you know I, I remember my, my flatmates were laughing at me for this but I remember in year seven and my drama teacher asked me to be in this play um with year 11s and I was like oh like debating with myself oh can I do it I just it's with year 11s are so old and like having this you know worrying about it and to be honest all I did for the play was lie in a coma (laughs) (laughs) the whole play so it wasn't like I was you know doing anything you know really you know out there but at that time I just remember feeling like it was such a big thing and him taking a chance, you know, asking me to do it, you know, not not other people, because he thought, you know, I was, I'd be good at, you know, playing dead, maybe. Um, <laughs> you don't move much. You'd be great in this role. <laughs> you'd be great in Cobra. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, I remember my English teacher as well, um, kind of, yeah, she just always encouraged me. But then you have the other side where um, I had two French teachers. One was good, one not so good. And I remember um, the not so good French teacher saying to me, the highest you'll ever get is a B. You won't get any higher than that. And literally, and, and always made me feel like I was the worst at French, you know, mm. the, out in the group. And guess what I did? I got an A and was like, ha, 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 I have proved you wrong. Um, <laughs> but but those limiting factors can, you know, by someone saying to someone, you can't achieve that, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Well, sometimes it's like a dare, isn't it? I don't think she was, though. I think she actually did think that no, I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to achieve it. Um but yeah, and for some people, they might just take that as fact, you know, for yeah. kids, yeah. and go, okay, I, I can't, I can't do it. I might, as, I won't, I won't bother no then. No point then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I definitely, we 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 need more champions of exploration. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Well, again, this is part of the reason that I'm doing this is like that whole. I mean, even something like LinkedIn, it's all designed around this perception of, you know, like continual nonstop success, mm. performance, productivity. It's like, 
it, it, it's a it's an aesthetic for robots mm. do you know what i mean it's like robots can work at high productive rate constantly flat out for as long as you've got the power to run them and the materials yeah. to put in people don't mm. like all, all natural systems sort of ebb and flow like our moods ebb and flow our, our productivity ebbs and flows mm. and you can't always you can't always be on and like you say like making mistakes is a large part of learning if you don't have the opportunity in your life to go out and make mistakes Mm. get things wrong and learn from them then you know you just there's no freedom there then you just Mm. you you know it's like you must always win and always be perfect and always be performing and always be productive Mm. and then if you don't you're sort of scrappy but nobody can live up to that because that's not how people work so you're Mm. just gonna you know you drive yourself crazy well i think that's why in tv um so there's a tv and film charity and there's higher rates of mental health issues in tv and i think it's for that very reason where you're constantly having to be on your game and you know not fail and there's this pressure to you know work obscene hours and you know do what you know the mean boss tells you to do because you know you can't be seen as not being able to do it or um, non-compliant yeah yeah Yeah. or um sometimes if you make a mistake you know obviously if you don't press record on a camera you don't press record on a camera (laughs) and there's some some mistakes which are going to be bigger than others whereas actually there needs to be more room for I don't know just a bit more for imperfection maybe yeah lenient with things or Mm. checking in with people because you know you don't know what's going on in people's lives that are then impacting their jobs you could be in the same job and be be really happy if everything's stable around you or you could be in the same job and, and some other things are not stable around you so then it impacts your job mm-hmm. um so it's kind of i suppose just having a bit more just kind i think kindness maybe mm. to just you know people everyone well, has yeah books. just a little bit everyone more consideration that other people are people everyone has what yeah. sorry flaws yeah you yeah know. you can't yeah. swim through life and expect nothing to go wrong because unless you're superman you know um i don't think that would ever happen really but there is that weird perception that you should go through life and everything being hunky-dory um and kind of on point i saw a weird i can't remember where i read it but there was this interesting uh article where it showed i suppose two generations back you know to have a roof over your hat um a roof over your head and just generally having food on your plate that you know that's what people were driven for and you know looking after their families and then obviously their children were like well my dad you know my parents gave me a roof over my head and food on my plate I want to do one better than that and I want to go on holidays more or you know have a bigger house and um more food um 
so so their their idea of success kind of is a bit higher and then the next generation's like well you know i want an even bigger house and more food and more holidays and all this other stuff all this other kind of materialistic stuff and then i think that's kind of what's happened that actually our perception now of what is success or what is satisfaction is actually beyond what is achievable Mm. um and i've read quite you know been doing listening to a lot of podcasts and reading kind of during lockdown and there's this idea of like when when you do have like I want a fancy car you know I want to drive a Lamborghini that's you know that's my ambition in life and then you get the Lamborghini and you're like oh okay what's next (laughs) there's that what's what next element to it um and actually the satisfaction of having the Lamborghini wasn't all that it was made up to be Mm. so actually when you think about people going you know I want to be this point in my career at this age Mm. in some ways you're setting yourself up for failure in some ways or you're setting yourself up to be maybe disappointed I don't know like well I, I suppose the other way as well is like if you've got your checklist once you get to the end of the checklist then what yeah like yeah. where where's your where's your new one coming from yeah right. whereas actually i think what i'm trying to teach myself now is being in the moment a lot more mm-hmm. and you know it's more about the people around me and the experience more about the experiences i have yeah. during my career yeah the experiences i have and maybe how I can use my meanderings through life mm-hmm. to you know help, help other people discover their own meandering a wandering we shall go well Leeds if you liked that little winding journey then it would be great for me to hear about your own journey Next time on Working Hours, we're staying in the world of TV, but in a different area, both functionally and geographically. On the next show, I will be chatting to someone who has moved to Leeds to work as a video editor at Channel 4, so do come back for that one. Also, go listen to last year's volume. Hear me shout more nonsense on episode 4, or listen to some of the other episodes there with all the great smart people that I got to chat to last year. There were only 10 episodes published uh, for 2020, so it won't take you long to get up to speed with the archive. Before I sign off, I just wanted to touch on some podcast admin to let anyone who might care where I am with certain things. Time codes are coming, transcripts are coming, and YouTube versions are coming. I cannot give you a date for any of these as yet. If anyone is listening to this part, I would really love for you to do the old like, share, and subscribe thing. And if you're feeling it, why not become one of my first three patrons and become one of my favourite people ever? People rarely want to be the first at a thing, but as soon as you get three people doing it, then you've potentially started a movement. Email this podcast, workinghourspod at western-studios.com with questions, comments, queries, memos, manifestos, maybe not those last two. Right, time for the rules. This is a rules-based local podcast for local people after all. 
The first rule of working hours is you must tell Aloina about working hours. The second rule of working hours is you must like and subscribe to the show. The third rule of working hours is that if you're Aloina, then be my guest leads. The fourth rule of working hours is take ownership of your work, agitate, educate, organize, and get to democratize in your workplace. That's it from me. What do you do, Leeds? Tell me about it. Go to western-studios.com for more information or just email workinghourspod at western-studios.com with a brief bio and some suggestions regarding your availability. Please let me know if you would wish to be anonymous on the show. If you would like to take part but you don't want to be identified, then you can send me a secure email to westernstudios at protonmail.com. Don't want your interview published right away? Fine, we can do that. You will have approval on what gets published from your interview. You can follow this show on Twitter at Western Studios 2 and on Instagram at Western underscore Studios underscore Leeds. You can support the show with a one-off donation either to Kofi, that's ko-fi.com forward slash working hours or via buymeacoffee.com forward slash Western Studios where you can give as much or as little as you like. If you'd really like to help out, then you can give the show regular support and help build the project and help us in meeting the goal of lasting out this decade. Subscriptions for Loiners are a pound a month. Go to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash working hours pod to become a regular supporter. If you're not from Leeds and you would still like to support this show, you can join the Outlander level for five pounds a month. That's it. Now go do one amazing thing today. podcast is made by western studios leeds limited it is presented and produced by simon treen this interview was recorded over skype thank you to captivate.fm for podcast hosting the working hours theme was provided by australian-based loiner dj punk you can hear more from punk at soundcloud.com forward slash big time punk if you're in leeds and have a podcast idea that you would like to develop please email make my podcast at western-studios.com with some details about what you would like to achieve and let's start making your podcast a reality today follow western studios on twitter instagram and linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western-studios for sporadic news on new episodes of working hours and for new original podcast productions that will be coming soon from western studios leeds